1: Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be.
2: Hello and welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Liz Loza. I'm joined by Matt Harmon. We've got producer Brett manning the ship. And um, Matt, there's like a lot of weird midweek news.
1: I know. it's uh, This is an interesting week of news, too. Like a lot of troubling news some might say, depending on your perspective, it's been Stefan Diggs trade rumors. Week. It's a
2: little gossipy, right? It
1: is a little gossipy. Yeah,
2: he said this on social, teams react this way. Well, actually, the Vikings aren't reacting any old way.
1: Do you find it ironic that one wide receiver on the Vikings literally like calls out the play calling and like outwardly expresses... Hey, we might be, (laughs) might be, might be frustrated, but like we're like basically saying we're all frustrated and then one one, like tweets an emoji and the (laughs) other is like, and that's, oh that's the, that's the sign Stefan wants to trade. And to be fair, it. I mean, he's definitely frustrated, but both of these guys are frustrated.
2: Yeah. So, well, let's talk about Diggs because he's the one that all of the rumors are swirling around, though I, I'm happy. I had in my notes to mention Adam Thielen because after the game yeah. um, on Sunday, he was like, yeah, I mean, it's great that we have the best running back in the league, but...
1: Can't run the ball. Like, if you can't yards.
2: convert when it's time to pass, which is something we alluded to the Sunday prior in one of our episodes about the fact that Kirk Cousins is not clutch. And if you are going to have a run first offense, that'll invite closer games. And so therefore you need a quarterback like hmm, Gardner Minshew mm-hmm. who can stay focused and in 11 minutes take your team down the field and, and pull off an upset. But. Anyway, Stephon D- Before Diggs.
1: Before we do go to Stefan Diggs, though, Thielen is on, my, is on my radar hard for, like, number one... I mean, he's been on my
2: radar for a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. But let's just bring the point home here. Like, he says on uh, Sunday, his exact quote was, I think the frustr Or, er, he said last Sunday, I think we're just as frustrated as every fan in the state of Minnesota. We are more frustrated. We put everything we have into the offseason, we grind every single day, and then to put a performance like that, it's so frustrating, it's unbelievable. Then today... He says to reporters, I think the frustration is from you guys, like referring to the media. We're not frustrated. I think that's a media thing. Come on, bro. Own
2: your stuff. (laughs) Own it. Also, should we take a shot every time he says frustrated?
1: I mean, I don't know. Under the table. uh, Maybe we wait for Brad before we uh, start taking shots. (laughs) It is tequila
2: Thursday. True. All right. So Stefan Diggs didn't practice on Wednesday, created all of these juicy trade rumors. Let's remind ourselves a little bit about Stefan Diggs. He is just 25 years old. He was signed to a five year, $72 million contract with $40 million in guaranteed money. He's obviously unhappy after the two and two start in Minneapolis. I looked at some snap research, snap percentage research. He is playing 16% fewer snaps than Thielen. Interestingly, though, they've both seen the same number of receptions on the season, the, on the season, on the on the Thielen. On the Thielen th- season. season. <laughs> um Now, of course, like, that's on the season. Though week to week, they're all over the place. There's sure. not really continuity on a week to week basis. He is coming off of a game. And though, against the Bears, we converted 7 of 7 for over 100 yards. It was like he... Everybody was happy again, right? Unless um he was sitting on someone's bench because of the matchup. Yeah. In which case, sorry. I think that put him at the uh, wide receiver 13 for the week. Also worth noting... And I think this is something you know, and I'm going to allow you this opportunity now to talk about your reception perception data, which I imagine is where you want to go next.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you can imagine it, but It's on my screen. <laughs> Thielen, I
2: don't look at your screen. Um, Thielen is spending obviously more time in the slot yeah. than Diggs. So I think that's even more telling of Diggs' frustration, though, the fact that they're seeing the same number of receptions and Thielen has had slightly more um, targets, of course, the fact that the efficiency is the way it is, knowing that Thielen is seeing a shorter distance of uh, mm-hmm. uh, passes, like, makes me more angry for Diggs. Does yeah, that make well, sense? It's
1: kind of the same thing that's going on. We, I've compared these two groups a lot, but it's, like, kind of the same thing that's going on in, in Carolina sure. with Curtis Samuel and DJ Moore. About the same amount of targets, Moore has more catches yards because, you know, he's used more on slant routes. I think I was looking at our Sports Info Solutions database, and I think he, like, Almost like I think he has like uh, over 100 yards on slant routes alone. And like this is, you know, why I do what I do with reception perceptions about kind of c- putting some context behind this production. Like you said, uh, Diggs is an elite player. You know, this is this is the thing that's frustrating. Like, I, I don't know that necessarily Diggs is unhappy with like, oh, Thielen's getting these looks and I'm not. I think well it's-
2: Thielen is getting the high-value targets in yes. a way that Diggs isn't, but it's also because of the position he's playing. Well, and and the th- position within the position he's playing. And
1: I th- But that, that was true last year. I think the thing that's this year is this over-commitment to, like, running the ball. And, like, I don't think any of these players believe in the offensive philosophy shift that this team has undergone. And I think you can kind of talk both ways with it. Like, we've seen it be ultra-successful in Week 1 against the Falcons, That's great. Like a run heavy game plan can look incredible when your team is teeing off on another quarterback, when they're at home, when the script is right
2: against a defense that's shown to have some obvious holes beyond the first week.
1: That sucks. That defense (laughs) sucks. And it's sucked for like four years now.
2: So. We'll we'll go there further. I was trying to be a little I'm not so heavy handed. I'm um, over the
1: Falcons. The Falcons get them get them the hell out. of To put, we
2: keep talking about the the Vikings want to establish the run, and I think Kevin Stefanski is getting thrown under the bus a little bit here because <laughs> this is Mike. I mean, Flip got fired, and the new guy who got hired was like, "Oh, you know what the boss wants me to do? This thing. So I'm gonna yeah. do it." Yeah. And he's given me the best running back in the NFL. So, um, but. Kevin Stefanski is calling the fifth-most running plays at 29.8 attempts per game and the third-fewest passing plays at 24.8 per game. That's crazy. Not even 25 pass attempts on average per game is bananas. Yeah,
1: it's crazy, especially—this is what's weird about Minnesota is— and I think Dix is probably thinking the same thing. They've invested top-level money in these two receivers. Mm-hmm. They invested top-level money at, at quarterback with Kirk Cousins, which— you can say what you want about Kirk Cousins, and, I mean, he's been pretty terrible to start the— or he's, I mean, he's been Kirk Cousins. He's like just this, not He's just not clutch. He's not clutch, and he's volatile week to week. Like, Kirk Cousins is the same player as he's always been, and I think they're trying— It's weird that they would then go to a philosophy where they want to— they're, they're, they're not really—they're built for with the running back, but it's tough to— It's just tough to sustain year-over-year success with a, with a philosophy like this, and I think the players can see into that, and I think that's probably the root cause of— what Diggs is upset about and obviously whatever Thielen wants to say he's clearly upset well, about it too. is
2: appropriate that we are now in hashtag Libra season and <laughs> that means balance baby it's the scales of justice so you can't do just one thing you have to be able to do and love both and they're having trouble doing it I do think this week coming up at the Giants is an interesting test to see not only if the coaching staff will allow Cousins to air it out or if he'll have success because obviously the Giants are a great matchup they're allowing an average of 295.5 receiving yards per contest so if this is not more of a get right spot then I don't think there can be this is like the OJ Howard test against the Giants a couple of weeks ago too
1: right like my thought when these little rumors started to pop up is like man what a short-sighted move this would be for the vikings be, to, to trade a 25 year old wide receiver simply because which also they'd take a lot of dead cap hit i thought that would just be a, a really terrible move to make but it sounds like whether Diggs wants him to make the, that move or not the vikings, the vikings aren't
2: gonna do don't it. really
1: want to do it so i think they actually have a lot of incentive you know and this is it's always tough when you try to play to make them happy to read the mind like <clears throat> when you want they, it doesn't seem, seem like they have incentive to do the squeaky wheel yeah. theory like okay let's make sure Diggs is happy let's make sure thielen is happy and this is a perfect defense to do it against. so you can't possibly feel great about it because you know that the the floor is like four catches for right. 40 yards or something i mean actually t- i take that back that was generous the floor is actually like two catches for 11 yards with these guys because of the offensive philosophy and there's a real situation where the team tees off on Danny Dimes and and they're rolling with the run game all all afternoon, but you can't possibly feel great about starting these guys because that risk. But that ceiling, I think, really does exist here.
2: Let's talk about AJ Green, another uh, receiver who's also there. There are also juicy trade rumors swirling around him. Um, so he is expected to be out through Week Six with this ankle injury that he suffered in the preseason. Right. Um, yeah. interestingly it's the bengals have a week 9 bye yep. right um and there are rumors that he could come back within the trade window the trade deadline is october 29th and that is actually the rams game so they have right now week five cardinals week six at baltimore week seven versus jacksonville week eight which is october 27th they're at the rams and then they have a week nine bye yeah. if i am aj green i ain't coming back to a potentially like oh and six team
1: especially one that hasn't extended him yet you know that he doesn't have and
2: at 31 years old and the reason his ankle is banged is because the practice turf wasn't good and tyler boyd his team corroborated that on social media
1: yeah so uh, there's a lot
2: here to be angry about if you're aj green oh
1: there's i mean there's a lot and there's a lot of like you know you know how this goes when you're like in a relationship with someone and you like pass off like little things years over years like whatever it's no big deal this this happened like okay sure they put my bowls in the wrong place Mm -hmm. you know at my at my apartment they uh they don't really. They they wear their shoes in the house, you know, little tiny things like that. Like yeah, sure, you've stuck me with Andy. Little Dalton. resentments. Yeah, build up. you've stuck you've stuck me with Andy Dalton all these since years. Since my
2: rookie year, they're paired yeah. together since twenty eleven, guys. Twenty eleven. That's so much time that AJ Green has given of himself and his body and his spirit to the city of Cincinnati.
1: Cincinnati, Philadelphia. Cincinnati. Maybe he wants to go to the Philadelphia, but like you, you stick me with Marvin Lewis all these years. You know, these little <laughs> resentments they build up, and then you get to the point where it's like, all right. Enough. Like, maybe this is just that. Okay. All these little things have built up. And oh, by the way, this is a major thing where, like, you're not going to finally give me my money. That, like, that this could be the thing that breaks AJ Green to the point where he's like, yeah, I don't want to. Like, he goes full Carson Palmer. Like, we've seen this with the Bengals before. Mm -hmm. Like, I am not playing for you under any circumstances. And I think for Green, maybe that will be different. But he doesn't have any incentive to come back at less than 100% and put himself on the line. Like you said, for a team that, I mean,
2: At least before the shot was like, maybe he'd get to play on a Saturday in the postseason and not beyond that. Now, He's not even going to be trotted out there at all. That probably not even week seventeen. I mean,
1: the 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 Bengals have to be. I mean, the Dolphins have to be looking at the Bengals in Washington, like,
2: hey, 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 what are you doing here? Like, this is our
1: thing. (laughs) Stop doing what we're trying to do on purpose by accident, okay? Like, we want that first overall pick. This this belongs to us. This this not this cannot stand. This you you people accidentally tanking. So, I think that. A.J. Green should stick it out as long as he wants. Oh,
2: yeah. And obviously, both uh, Diggs and Green have been attached to the Patriots because that is the narrative. And also because without Antonio Brown, that is even more Hmm. now the narrative.
1: The the worst part is, like, people probably myself included who are at different times like okay all right don't be ridiculous the the patriots don't just we did it about antonio si- brown mutually. need to sign yes. yeah like i mean what like five minutes before it happened right. we were, we're all like, on a live like, stream no, like stop on. it you sheep talking about antonio brown oh oh um liz uh, <laughs> looks like a uh, Patriots have signed antonio brown so. like
2: moments after we went off the air while we're talking about Bengals receivers, I don't want to discuss too much, but we should mention now that John Ross, who has been stepping in at least for the first two weeks of the season, looked like he could legitimately produce for fantasy purposes and for the team. Um, He is injured. On so IR. he's on IR with a clavicle injury. That means that it is Tate time. Tate, we will talk to a little bit later because our special guest this episode has a whole... Whole bit thing prepared him. about him, so I don't want to say it too much. That's the tease for you to keep listening, and because and I, know, I know you really want that <laughs> Bengal tee
1: <laughs> I mean, he's prepared an entire statement on Auden Tate. If that doesn't get you to stick around, might as well just turn off the podcast. You know what now. kind of week
2: it is too, when like Auden Tate is the hottest uh, DFS bargain slash sleeper receiver on the board
1: well i mean come on just play tyler eifer you know Well, Auden tate's like as slow as a tight end
2: that's not a receiver that's a tight end but but i'm just saying the the tight end
1: is the position that's crushed the cardinals all season
2: you know who else has a shoulder problem mitch trubisky
1: well he's got a lot of problems
2: he has a lot of problems and he will not be playing across the pond against the raiders in week five instead it is chase daniels who took over in relief of trubisky Now Chase Daniels obviously been with um, Matt Nagy and within this uh, Andy Reid system since my God twenty (laughs) thirteen since Kansas City and then he went to the Eagles as the backup and sit right like a long long time so he knows this offense incredibly well. I have a question for you because I have a thought about it. Do you think this team is better or worse off without Chase Daniels, comma and why?
1: Without Chase Daniels, I'm sorry,
2: with Chase Daniels without. Well, I just really asked that question succinctly.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Dear friend Matt. Yeah, what's up? I have a question for you. Okay.
2: <laughs> Do you believe that the Bears are better without Mitch Trubisky and instead with Chase Daniels, comma and why question mark?
1: Uh I don't think they're worse. I don't know how much significantly better they are, but they're, they're better. They're definitely not worse. Do
2: you want to know why they're better? Matt?
1: Tell me why they're better. Because Chase
2: Daniels accurate. Even if he is not strong arm, yeah, he is yeah, accurate. Yeah. Maybe he can't run around, yeah. but guess what? Mitch Trubisky should probably plant his feet and throw the damn ball on target versus running around nearly as much as he does.
1: There's a certain like playmaking attribute that Mitchell Trubisky brings, but but no no listen Liz 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 Liz, there's a huge butt coming, <laughs> but that. I think throws off the rhythm of the offense and that that's what provides like just enough evidence for Trubisky to keep people hooked. But we know that what the Trubisky experience is, is that it's like three games of the and then like one that like one game against the Bucks or like one other like half that he'll have here and there where he strings it together because he is I mean, he's like basically Blake Bortles just less like he's less. Throw up on my shoes like four turnovers, Blake Bortles, and more. Just like I'll go through long stretches. Throw away,
2: Blake Bortles. Well, he's just
1: more like long stretches at the time where the offense just doesn't move at all. And honestly, that's worse.
2: I just don't understand. I have a problem with leaning into this big play ability argument because you are making. He is making big plays. After he can't get past his first read, and if he could go through his progressions, there would be no need for this scrambling impro that he is doing.
1: Yeah, yeah, and it's we're certainly going to bring this up with Brad later because we're going to talk David Montgomery. Jesus Christ! But we're going to talk David Montgomery, and like the thing that that's funny about people getting pissed off about about Matt Nagy about some of these like play calls or whatever is that I still think Matt Nagy's a really good. Scheme designer like some of these plays that people are so upset didn't go to David Montgomery on the goal line against Washington. I'm like the reason they didn't go to David Montgomery on the goal line is because Trubisky's like for once executing the plays and like throwing to a wide open Taylor Gabriel in the end zone. Like that's what you want to design out of an offense. So I think that if somebody's going to come in and run that Chase Daniels can certainly do that.
2: I have a sneaky feeling, and this is not like steeped in any really good data, but just a feeling of having watched Chase Daniels in relief of other quarterbacks over the years and understanding or at least pretending or thinking I understand the Bears offense a little bit more. I think this might be an interesting, nobody's expecting Trey Burton game.
1: Huh. Okay.
2: Chase Daniels obviously doesn't have the arm strength, right, or the athleticism. That I agree with, um, that Mitch Trubisky has. And Burton threw up on himself. We're gonna talk about vomiting on himself yeah. last week. Like he's he's been he's been driving the struggle bus, but like you know Alan Robinson is gonna be the primary focus. He's sort of the only constant in terms of the passing game. Um and and week to week it's really difficult, but um the Oakland Raiders are are get uh, there are a lot of targets being siphoned to the short middle of the field yes. when facing the Oakland Raiders, and that should be in theory where Dre, Trey Burton operates.
1: They're uh, top three, I think, in yards allowed to slot receivers, and they're number one. They've allowed seven touchdowns to slot receivers this year. So and.
2: So that could be Anthony Miller. Well, but, but I'm not Miller
1: and never on the field.
2: Right. So that is why I'm leaning towards Trey Burton. But it
1: goes – yeah, it goes to that same sort of situation where Trey Burton's that move tight end. It's also worth noting that Allen Robinson takes almost 40 percent of his snaps from the slot too. So he could get some of those looks as well. I, I think it's just what we're talking about like – the reason people are upset that Anthony Miller is not doing anything, and it's because because you
2: got Javon wins.
1: Well, it's also like there are intriguing players all up and down this Bears offense, but they have just a total dust ball at quarterback, and he can't get he can't do it. Like he can't get to the he can't get to, he can't get to the third or fourth read whatever Anthony Miller is on a given play. Like, give me a break. Right. Um. You know what the worst outcome of this is for the Bears this year, because it's clear the Bears have a quarterback problem, right? it's that's apparent to anybody watching football well done ryan pace yeah they have a quarterback problem but they're like what outside of that they're a a super bowl contender outside of their quarterback position i think the worst thing that could happen is that they give themselves the excuse like oh mitch got hurt this year like we didn't get to see him for the second year in this offense like let's run it back in 2020 that's the worst possible outcome here
2: I don't even want you putting that out in the ether.
1: I mean, there's because it's either that or that, like
2: now the the divorce is is imminent.
1: Sign the papers, Liz.
2: <laughs> my gosh, <laughs> so, they've been sitting on my damn desk. Serve, for serve a year. their
1: asses already. <laughs> like, I mean, it's either that or you get uh, they compete with they get Ryan Tannehill to compete. So which which would you prefer?
2: <laughs> Chase Daniel. At least he knows the damn offense. Yeah. Um. So anyway, I think sneaky play at tight end. If you you know if you aren't rolling out one of if you <laughs> I, in fact, I'll say this. I like Trey Burton ahead of Tyler Eifert, even though the matchup for Eifert is that much better. Love it. Matt, do you know what next week is? It's not my birthday, if that's your first guest.
1: Oh, I knew it wasn't that.
2: It's the week that Chris Herndon comes back.
1: Whoa!
2: And I heard there was a baby wolf pup who was telling people that they should go out and pick him up a week early.
1: Yes, there was.
2: And is that because you believe that Chris Herndon... Even if Sam Darnold's spleen has not recovered from mono and is being shielded by some sort of futuristic contraption so he won't, quote, die. <laughs> <laughs> is, that, is, is that play still okay with Luke Falk under center?
1: Well, it sounds like Darnold should not be playing football this in week. week five. Because as Please, he, Sam. In we're it,
2: friends, don't do it.
1: Yeah, don't you? Can't you like DM him or whatever and say, like, hey, dude?
2: I am trying to remain. like unbiased and objective this is his career in his life but i am hoping on a friend level that sam darnold does not play and you know protects it i would like to see sam darnold play football well into the future and not
1: die yeah in his own words doesn't want to die which like same we we all don't
2: maybe brett does it's
1: hard to say yeah um but (laughs) (laughs) I think I think that, uh, yeah, the, I mean, regardless of what happens, like, when Sam Darnold gets back, it's still the Wolf move to go out and pick up Chris Herndon now. I believe he's owned in under 40% of leagues. I think it's actually a little lower than that. Thirty-eight.
2: Um, uh, he's owned in 28% of leagues, yeah. and he comes back in week six officially versus Dallas. Yeah, That's so
1: go make the move now and hold him on your bench because— That's called stashing. Stash him on your bench. Very professional uh and this way you have him on your team now as opposed to like when all the other sheep analysts are gonna be like hey big time pickup in week six chris herndon it is our
2: job to look into the future as prognosticators of fantasy football and so we are simply saying if you look into the future here's something to be wary of or count on and add him i agree with you after all i'm just gonna throw these little stats out because i have them and we all know I like Chris Herndon. Chris
1: Herndon's your guy.
2: Averaging nearly, he was averaging nearly 13 yards per reception, which was the tight end nine for that metric, and a true catch rate of almost 93%, which was tight end one for that metric. I think even with Luke Falk under center, though, I have a feeling that Sam Darnold is going to be rushed back and probably play in week six. I don't know how I feel about that, but I think he'll probably be under center. If, either way, what does a what is a, what kind of, like, player, if we're, talking about tropes that are generally true what kind of player does a, a green or perhaps unready or unseasoned quarterback reach for a nice pass catching running back and also a tight end these are safety valves and if Sam Darnold is coming back in week six and we know about his rapport, which has been spoken about to the nth degree with Chris Herndon and looked le- legit over the summer as well. Then again, he's probably going to look for his guy to help tether him along. He's going to need a binky, especially after this city boy summer he's been having. So, Chris Herndon's his dude.
1: Hey, don't forget, though, they still got a funnel. Old- about 14 targets per game to Jamison Crowder. Don't forget nah, about Nah, that.
2: that's what's going to happen. Like <laughs> that, Jameson, I'm, a, I'm yes. fingers crossed. Jamison Crowder's pr- Enjoy it while Chris Herndon is out. That experiment like en- is going to end. And if
1: you enjoy that, like, look at your priorities. Look at your life.
2: Right. <laughs> Hashtag look at your life. <laughs> so rude. Okay. <laughs> is um, so now rude. we are going to welcome to the show a very special guest welcoming us now to the program the guest i already teased it is get ready to turn the volume down brad the big noise evans hey
0: brad uh, i'm very sheepish i don't know what the hell you're talking about i am not a boisterous fellow
2: no i have has the tequila not started flowing yet my friend oh it started
0: uh thanks to my friends at Sincoro, this is a Michael Jordan brand. They just shipped this to me. It just arrived at my home, and yes, I cracked it open immediately, and it's good. Okay, hey, wait, yeah, wait, 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 wait.
1: What do you? <laughs> wait a second. You're gonna drop like spot? Like, what is this? A sponsored segment? Nice, Brad, flex, bro. If you're gonna drop the fact that you're getting tequila Free. sent to you, and no, then you're gonna it's do it, not
0: sponsored. You're gonna. I, they just sent me a bottle.
1: I, we no, we we understand, I, but you're gonna come on our podcast. What are you gonna do? You're gonna. I, I
2: you know what I love to do on Thursdays? Walk around with a Goyard bag. Goyard, hit me up. <laughs> like, what is this? Also, what did you say? the comp- Now I'm going to make him say the company name again. Sokayo?
1: Sincaro.
2: Oh, duh. How dare I? Sincaro. Sincaro. Matt Harmon and Liz Loza both really yeah. also enjoy tequila? <laughs> yeah. In fact, one of us throws up a lot when the that person drinks it, and it's not me. And the,
1: the other one's a champ.
2: <laughs> um. <laughs> All right. So, Brad, I you know, I have to admit one of my this preseason and when Andy Behrens was on the show, he like basically schooled Matt and I because we had not experienced a boring preseason the way he had, because this preseason was just full of drama that has obviously bled into the first month of the season. But I think forget Antonio Brown, forget Minshew mania. The thing that I have loved tracking most is your up and down experience Ugh. with the david montgomery situation in fact to me it's better than like the first season of this is us <laughs> which my co-host here watches vehemently i haven't seen the new
1: season
0: yet
2: yeah well it's probably Ugh. trash
0: yeah i've never seen an episode of this is us it's a have little I, too Brad. cheesy for me yeah. um especially when you're drinking tequila uh i guess it's perfect No, it's it. It, not my kind of jam something at about all. triplets uh, i'm not sure I, I will say this about david montgomery so yeah, it's it's been depressing. Uh, I've been on this like emotional roller coaster. The the pendulum has been swinging vigorously from side to side. But there is a silver line in all this. Like I, I know he's RB26 right now in Yahoo default leagues, uh, and he's only got the one touchdown on the season, the efficiency data, not exactly the picture of perfect health. Uh, but he has, uh, you know, ranked handsomely and avoided tackles per attempt. He's RB17, according to Pro Football Focus, who tracks that data, uh, despite the unsightly yards after contact per attempt. But uh, as I digress, he's averaging 19.3 touches per game and last week, he played on 70% of the Bears' snaps, and that has steadily climbed that snap share since week one. So it's only a matter of time that he's going to have that breakout performance, but it just boils down to the Bears' offensive line, which I thought was going to be a top 10 run blocking unit. They got everybody back from last year, and right now they're number 26 in run blocking efficiency. So as long as the uh, trench piglets, can open up some holes for Montgomery, the uh, fantasy data and stats should start bringing in. I'm hoping. If not, I'll just drink more of this.
2: Yeah, clearly. I I know Matt's got stuff to say, but I just wanted to mention one point. You know, James Coe works with us from time to time, and he has been excellent. And he and I were nerding out on Tuesday at the office about charts and data, um, because that's what nerds do at the office. And he showed me David Montgomery's... um, run charts on next gen stats and if you look at them all these squiggly lines are only in the middle which makes sense as to why he hasn't been very efficient are you worried about the fact that obviously Tariq Cohen is 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 the running back that's being more spread out and able to get around the edge and and Montgomery's used just up the gut behind this offensive line that you're right is not blocking particularly well
0: yeah, it's an alarming trend uh, for sure, but I am hopeful that Matt Nagy will remove head from posterior and actually design some misdirection, there you run go. him off, tackle whether left or right, get him in space more often in the pass game as well. I mean, there, there's going to be some additional opportunities. Uh, I mean, the bottom line here is that he's a volume running back, which are a rare commodity in this day and age of the NFL, and it just boils down to Nagy getting into the laboratory and becoming that mad scientist that we saw. Last year, so I'm optimistic that things are going to unfold positively for David Montgomery. But you're right; there's way too many slam p- uh, plays up the gut, which is the uh, you know primary reason why his YPC and his yards for contact per attempt have suffered.
1: So, Brad, so you're still you're still upset at Matt Nagy. This is this is still Matt Nagy's fault that David Montgomery hasn't happened. Is that is that what I'm getting oh, from you? Oh, here we go.
0: Well, no, I mean, he's partially to blame. I mean, the whole Cordero Patterson nonsense is exactly how I describe it. You know, Tariq Cohen coming in uh, on a second and two after Montgomery gets a tough eight yards on first down and he just run him right up the gut. I mean, there's some like, inexplicable, dumbfounding, perplexing things that Nagy is doing, uh, particularly inside the goal line. But uh, right now, it, it's not necessarily Nagy because my biggest cause of concern with Nagy was the fact that they weren't feeding Montgomery the ball enough early in the season. That narrative has changed. It has everything to do with the offensive line and everything to do with like uh, Liz and James uh, had discussed behind the scenes when they were nerding out uh, about <laughs> charts that uh, he's just being utilized as an up the gut runner. So, yeah. you know, I, again, I'm optimistic. Maybe it's going to happen across the pond. I wrote about him in the lames column for a reason because I'm using reverse psychology after I inserted Nick Chubb in that column last week and then we talked about on FFL then it goes on post historic numbers.
1: Yeah, my my thing with this whole situation is I actually don't like completely disagree that things could get better for Montgomery in fantasy like the the rest of the way. You know, we're only four games in and that could just be Like, the the, the best could still be to come for Montgomery. My thing has just been, like, I don't think the problem with the Bears offense is that, you know, like, oh, if they just give this guy 20 touches or, you know, 20 carries, like, then the offense really gets on schedule. And I always have a problem when it's, like, I think sometimes, you know, like, we got to, like, if we're going to say that, like, fantasy consumers are the smartest consumers of the game or whatever, like, you know, we also have to kind of base our advice and like what we're saying in reality a little bit too. And I think the bears just have a lot bigger problems than the fact that uh, this guy that might just be a guy in David Montgomery, like he might be a a good volume running back, but he might be just another running back, like same kind of talent level as Jordan Howard. I don't know that that's the problem with what's going on in offense.
2: Well, I think, I mean, to be fair though, Matt, I think the difference between Jordan Howard and david montgomery is an ability to be used in the passing game right so there's a versatility that we thought heading into the season the reason that jordan howard wasn't going to be a part of the bears offense was because he made it too predictable and in fact i understand red's frustration that matt nagy's current usage in terms of only running him up the middle up the gut whatever you want to call it is therefore making david montgomery more predictable in this offense
1: no i i get that And, and that's the thing with like I think the Montgomery pick is like, even if it's not great for fantasy, it's been a successful pick for the Bears so far because they are a little bit less predictable. The problem is just that the quarterback continues to make them the ultimate. Predictable offense.
2: The dust ball.
1: Yeah, the dust ball quarterback who
2: is sidelined, so it doesn't matter because the aged Chase Daniel is going to elevate this whole thing. Just I, I have it in my bones. I'm feeling it anyway. For reference, in terms of David Montgomery, Yahoo consensus ranking in Week Five against the Raiders is RB 19. Brad has him there. I have him there. Andy Barons has him slightly higher, but like the consensus ranking is just inside of the top 20. So take that for what it's worth. Brad, one more running back question for you. I'm going to open it up. This is kind of a dealer's choice situation. It wasn't on the outline, but I know that you love curveballs, my friend. So is there a running back in this wasteland that you want to talk about, vent about, hype, whatever? It's yours. Go do it.
0: Yeah, let's talk about the Philadelphia Eagles and Miles Sanders. You brought up Jordan Howard a second ago, and Howard, of course, uh, becoming the premier goal line gremlin, um, you know, feasting on his opportunities uh, last week against the Green Bay Packers. But Sanders, guys, the schedule. For the Philadelphia Eagles late in the season, I mean, it gets me aroused. I'm not going to lie. I mean, it is ridiculously delightful uh, across the board. You look in starting December 1st, so that's week 13. So you're right there on the cusp of the opening round of the fantasy playoffs. They start with Miami on the road to the Philadelphia Eagles in that matchup. And then you get the New York Giants, a team that struggled in the trenches. Then you get Washington. We know the woes that team has defensively, whether it's defending the run. We saw Wayne Gallman go off on him last week at Carolina, a team that's given up 4.8 yards per carry to the running back position. Um, uh, and then you get after that. Actually, I jumped down. Sorry, uh, not Carolina. I have Washington, then Dallas, excuse me. In week 16, the tequila is kicking in, apparently, uh, as the Cowboys have given up four and a half yards per carry. And then, if you're one of those sickos that plays in week 17, you get the Giants again. So, if you're looking for a running back that could have a December to remember, somebody that's going to come out of the woodwork late in the season uh, that could win you your fantasy title, I think it could be Miles Sanders. Hell, it could be Jordan Howard. Both could be highly successful during the most important weeks of the fantasy football slate. Again, in those chilly months uh, when Santa Claus comes to town. So, a lot of gifts to be bared in that Philadelphia backfield. So, stay the course with those guys. Or, in fact, on Sanders, buy low. Yeah. He's cheap right now in one for one Yahoo deal. He's
2: also seen at least one red zone carry per week. So, it's not like he hasn't been used in the red area of the field, though, you know, you're right. Jordan Howard, at least right now, is getting the goal line looks.
1: Do you know what, too, that this whole Eagles situation, like the fat they're two and two right now and they've along with like the entire NFL it seems like they're two and two and they've already suffered so many hits in terms of Mm. the injury Mm -hmm. column but like not for for some like some guys like Malik Jackson aren't coming back you know on defense but they could still get a lot of these guys back and honestly like the thing I don't think we're talking about enough right now is that they're playing without Deshaun Jackson and I think obviously revenge game of course in week one but I think week one showed us what a transformative presence that Jackson can be in this offense and that Extends to the running game too, Mm -hmm. because without this, they're at the same problem that they had last year, which is that they have no vertical playmakers. Without like with Alshon Jeffrey, Nelson Aguilar, and those kind of goofballs, like J.J. Arcega-Whiteside certainly has not emerged as anything useful. The two tight ends are there, but that vertical presence in Deshaun Jackson brings them a level of credibility that also helps the run game.
2: Need to stretch the field.
1: Got to stretch the field.
2: Matt, do you have a running back?
1: Oh, I mean.
2: You want me to go first?
0: Yeah, you go first. All right,
2: Brad, I'm going to do... This one's for you. You ready?
0: Yeah, let's do it.
2: I have have trouble staying away from situations I should stay away from.
0: Oh, no.
1: I already know what this is.
2: And sometimes the attraction, (laughs) even though you know it's not good for you, is just too much. Brad and I were in Atlanta. He knows exactly what I'm talking about. I'm talking about Ronald Jones, who has nothing to do with Atlanta because he plays for Tampa Bay. But Brad knows what I'm alluding to. And uh, also came home Matt called this uh, a revenge game in a weird way because he was playing against the Rams a homecoming game because he went to USC um you guys he he's seeing he's seeing more snaps it's happening he's pulling away from Peyton Barber and he looked good he only averaged 3.7 yards per carry in that effort against the Rams but how crazy am I Brad am I as crazy to still I'm not like listen I'm not playing him but would stashing Ronald Jones at this point be that nuts
0: uh, I would actually play him this week. Uh, I'm in complete agreement. I have come I, yes! I have come full circle on Ronald Jones. Yes, I have. Uh, and here's the reason why. You know, the added weight, uh, I think, has done wonders for him because he's running with more conviction. He's running with power, and he hasn't lost the shake and bake. I mean, he's forced a missed tackle on 26.4% of his touches so far this year. That's an extraordinary number. Uh, Peyton Barber has always been just a guy. You know, there were the comparisons to – uh, Ronald Jones when he came out of USc to Jamal Charles that's right he flashing type of running back but now he's got this power element yeah but he's got this power element now to his game he's catching footballs though sporadically but that's still a positive sign and this Tampa Bay offensive line has overachieved in my estimation they' are top 12 in run blocking efficiency right now and as long as you continue to stretch the field, with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, and please, God, get O.J. Howard involved in this offense at some point, Bruce Arians. Ugh. You should see some friendly fronts for Rojo to exploit. So you pulled all together, man. He's looking like a viable RB, two Again, not only this week against the Saints front that's given a 4.3 yards per carry to the running back position, but henceforth, uh, I'm a fan. I'm on board. I'm buying into Ronald Jones.
1: You know, Liz, I will say that like he legitimately has looked good at times this season so like
2: Rams game I watched pretty closely
1: Rams game obviously he looked really good but even back in I think it was week week one or yeah week one against the 49ers That's what looked, started this whole yeah. thing and then he just kind of disappeared for a little bit
2: Peyton but, Barber caught a safety and continued to stay in the yeah. game and I think that was the moment that people were like all right
1: that was certainly tilting but you know at the end of the day the team obviously has some incentive to get Jones going he was a second round pick and even, beyond, like, you know, I don't care as much about, like, how talented this guy may or may not be. But the Bucks offense is starting to come together. Jameis Winston, the last two weeks, has looked like the guy that we all expected him to be in this Bruce Arians regime. Like, he has over 700 yards passing. He has a 7-2 to touchdown-to-interception ratio. He's always going to give you the possibility of that just total what-the-hell throw. Mm-hmm. But he has looked good pushing the ball down the field. 9.8 yards per attempt the last two weeks. Like, And the team has scored over 80 points combined. So if this offense, the passing offense, is going to push forward like that, and Brad's right, the offensive line is is playing well, not just in the run game, but also in the pass protection game as well, it's not like one of the worst lines in the league or whatever. Like if this offense is good enough to keep pushing the ball down the field, that's going to open up more things for the running game like we just talked about with the Eagles. So okay, I'm OK with Ronald Jones being like a starting fantasy back right now.
2: He's owned in just 60, well, over 50 percent. So he's owned in 64 percent of leagues, but he's only being started in 19 percent of leagues. And he is the RB25 Yahoo consensus on the week. Yep. So earlier in the show, I promised you we would have some Auden Tate talk. And now it is time for Brad Evans to talk up his DFS bargain one Auden Tate of the week. Brad, the floor is yours.
0: Yeah, well, it's a rock bottom price at $10 for Auden Tate, and he's got a path, a clear one to opportunity. John Ross is averaging eight targets per game for the Cincinnati Bungles, and he's got the mother of all matchups facing Arizona and that extraordinarily giving secondary, uh, a unit that's allowed 8.3 yards per attempt on the season. Uh, I know that tight ends have been torching this Arizona unit, and Tyler Eifert, I guarantee, scores a touchdown. But I think Auden Tate, one of those guys, who could be sneaky good in his own right. Uh, you know, six targets last week, had 50 yards. Uh, but again, with those targets available and knowing he's also going to see a lot of Byron Murphy in coverage, a guy that's allowed north of 100 passer rating to his assignments, he could be sneaky good at uh, something like 70 yards and a touchdown, totally attainable for him in week five.
1: I mean, we've talked about how tight ends are ripping up the Cardinals and Tyler Eifert. That should be great. Auden Tate is basically a tight end. Over he's like 6'4, 228. At the combine, his 40-yard dash 4.68, that's in the fifth percentile for wide receivers, 31 inch vertical jump, that's in the seventh percentile for wide receivers, and at his broad jump, uh one twelve inches, that's in the fifth percentile for wide receivers. So guy's basically a tight end anyway. So Brad, I love <laughs> I love the pick.
0: Yeah, I, I appreciate it. Yeah, he's basically Devin Funches in stripes. That's right.
1: Oh.
2: I was waiting for that comp. That that now we did it. Okay, so um, hurtful, to
1: De- hurtful to Devin
0: Funches. Let you know. me
2: hear your fade, Brad. Give it to the audience.
0: Yeah, it's going to be Dak Prescott. I, I think this uh, Packers Cowboys game is going to be much lower scoring than anticipated. It's got a total of 47 this week, and uh, I'm definitely heavily on on the under on this one. Uh, the secondaries are outstanding. Um, you know, you look at the Dallas Cowboys on the season, uh, they have allowed just 6.1 yards per attempt to the Green Bay Packers in a similar territory. They're giving up 6.2 in terms of yards per attempt, and the Packers specifically, fourth fewest fantasy points at quarterback position, just 207.8 eight yards per game through the air, four total touchdowns to QBs. Now, a lot of that uh, was skewed by the deplorable performance of one Mitchell Trubisky, which uh, I've had to seek autometrist uh, opinions based on my eye damage suffered in week one from that game. But look, I, I think Dak is going to take a step back. It's going to be a similar performance of what he had last week in New Orleans, which was a shocker to me because Marshawn Lattimore and Eli Apple actually decided to cover people. Uh, But Tremont Williams and Jair Alexander, who's really ratcheted up his game, uh, they've been sensational this season. So Dak is a guy I have outside my top 12. I can't believe I'm saying this. I would sip on a little of the pumpkin spice latte that is Andy Dalton. Welcome to it. Basic
2: witches unite. Basic witches. (laughs) Yes.
0: (laughs) That's one of your better
1: ones. Liz. (laughs) That one's good. Might be
2: what I'm going to be for Halloween. So uh, Brad is a very busy man with many commitments that may or may not involve tequila. So we are going to let him go and finish this show solo. Thank you so much for joining us, Brad. You can follow Brad on social at Yahoo Noise. Anything else you want to plug, my friend, before you uh, take off?
0: No, more tequila. Cheers. Good luck to everybody in week five.
1: Thanks, Brad. Appreciate it. Salud.
2: Well, Brad gave his picks, ran out the door to drink tequila do important stuff. Sponsored
1: Matt... tequila. Sp... No. Hashtag ad. And <laughs> What are we doing with
2: Arla? Maybe we should yell more.
1: Yeah. We should yell about what we drink more often. And then people will send us free sh**.
2: Anthony Frankel. Nobody drinks skinny margaritas in a bottle out of the bottle like Liz Loza. At me, girl. That's spicy jalapeno or the watermelon or the peach. Doesn't matter. Whatever's on sale at BevMo, I'm drinking it.
1: Boom. There you go. <laughs> <laughs>
2: also, White Claw. Oh, no. Told you I'm a hashtag basic wish.
1: White Claw is the worst
2: then you're the worst. Now no, tell it's me who so your bad. I don't care Matt. Tell it's me who so your DFS bargain is.
1: I know you don't care, but it is bad. Uh my I have two wide receiver bargains this week.
2: Oh, look at you. Both
1: of kind of the oh, same. I do not
2: agree with the second one.
1: This the same ilk. So first one, Will Fuller. and we wrote a a nice little piece where we all talked about what we have got wrong most this year. I decided to pick Will Fuller because somehow I ended up like 10 spots higher than the consensus when I did my tears on him. I also drafted him on just an absurd amount of teams. Um, And now that everyone is dropping him to waivers, I'm picking him up on all the other teams that didn't already have him. Because I think that this game especially is the start of when things start to turn around for Will Fuller because look like the snaps are all there. The routes run data is all there. The air yards are even there. I think he's uh top 10 in the NFL. And I think that against this awful Atlanta defense, it's just such a smash spot, right? Like this should be where it all happens. Kenny Stills is practicing. So that's worth noting. But if Stills was to miss time, I think that opens up some vertical looks. The problem in Houston right now is that like everyone is kind of cannibalizing each other to the point that even Hopkins has not been like up to where you drafted him. But I really like, I just like this game overall. I love the matchup for for the Houston pass catchers. My second one is John Brown for 15 bucks. I think regardless of what quarterback is under center, even if it's Matt Barkley, I think the matchup is still pretty good. Um, we talked about, I think on one of our thousand Sunday streams, like about how problematic the, uh, Titans secondary always is, despite the fact they pour a lot of money and resources. Um, you know, Malcolm Butler always atop the league in terms of production allowed to wide receivers. Mm-hmm. I think that Brown could get loose at a fifteen dollar price. You know, if you really want to stack some of these, if you want to stack a really high end quarterback and stack a couple good running backs, you're going to need some of these like fifteen sub fifteen dollar receivers. And Brown stands out like a sore thumb in terms of the volume that he's getting amongst these other you know jokers in that range.
2: All right. These are good points. I'm a little bit more nervous about John Brown with Matt Barkley under center. Um,
1: worth worth being nervous about. So, for sure, But I, I think worst. I would take
2: Will Fuller. I like Will Fuller. We'll talk about him a little bit later, too. But who's your fade?
1: My fade is Lev Bell because for, like, all the reasons that you'd right. want. Yeah. I mean, they're playing the Eagles. Like, literally no one should run against the Eagles ever. You should only ever throw against Philadelphia. And, sure, that could mean more passes for Lev Bell. But just, like, there's just not a lot of spots where I'm going to be super excited about playing him this year. And this one... Is certainly not one of them. Uh, playing the Eagles' tough r- rushing matchup.
2: All right. So at bargain, I'm going to go at co- go with a quarterback. Love this. I'm going to go with Jacoby Brissett. Did you know, Matt, that Jacoby Brissett has had a multi-touchdown game in every single week this year? Even last week when he was without Ty Hilton, and that he is just one of three quarterbacks to have ten passing touchdowns on the season.
1: Yeah, he's he's tied for the lead league in touchdown passes. That
2: is right. And I also think what's impressive is he has a 10 touchdown to two interception ratio. He's
1: been very careful.
2: Very careful. He did throw a back-breaking interception last week, and you saw it in his eyes. Like, the whole thing went dead. But (laughs) overall— dead
1: dead in some dead eyes.
2: (laughs) Overall, like, you just saw, like, oh, no. Um, Overall, I think he has been very—and I think the word you just used, careful, is perfect— He is playing um, at Arrowhead, so a tough place to play. We'll give him that, but he's only $29 for reference. Andy Dalton, also $29. Daniel Jones, also. Daniel Jones versus Minnesota, $29. Good luck. Ugh, you know. As usual, Patrick Mahomes, the most expensive quarterback on the board at 41. Why not get yourself a discount with Jacoby Brissett at 29? Also worth mentioning that this game has the highest over-under of any games on the slate, as usual, because it is... Any game against Patrick Mahomes leads to a high point differential. Uh, 56 is the over-under in this game. Now, T.Y. Hilton, I'm expecting to come back. It's a Sunday night game. It looks like he probably missed last week to get healthy for this one because Frank Reich has it circled on his calendar, and it is going to be a full-out AFC battle.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, I like it. Liz, do you know that they're including Jacoby reset there are four quarterbacks with a touchdown rate over 7%. Three of the four: Brissett, Lamar Jackson, Dak Prescott. Can you tell me who the fourth one is? Is
2: it Jameis Winston? It's
1: not Jameis Winston. I don't know. It's Mason Rudolph. Gross. Yeah, disgusting. That stat means nothing now. Well, th- that's for ruining that's it. That's the one that is just <laughs> gro- like, yeah, that that'll come back to Earth. You know, all these guys, all these guys have too high of a touchdown rate. Multiple and the fact
2: games that, also trick question.
1: Liz, I mean, he started too. Yes, but that's <laughs> not a fair question. He started
2: too. Facts. Uh, Point to the lie. Facts are facts. Here's my fade. It's Austin Eckler. I chose this player so that we could talk a little bit because we did in one of the live streams about our philosophical differences within um, the Chargers backfield. So Austin Eckler is 29 bucks. Melvin Gordon is... $20. $20. So he's a $9 cheaper. His first game back. Are there theories that he will be eased in? I'm talking about Melvin Gordon, obviously. Yes. Eckler, I think you and I both agree, will maintain some sort of floor because of his use in the passing game, especially with all of these receivers banged up at varying degrees. Um, but Matt, would you, for our podcast listeners, in case they hadn't caught our second halftime FFL sh- live stream show, your belief on how this will be split?
1: I think that Eckler maintains his role in the passing game and maintains his role in the uh, scoring area. Uh, he's been a big factor as a receiver in the scoring area especially. And the reason that I'm really comfortable with this projection is because it's even go- become more so. Liz, one of your favorite players in the NFL, Dontrell Inman, was placed on IR this week. Um, So we can't... He did his job, man. We can't try to predict his four for 50 and a touch week. Uh, as He went for over 70. Hey, <laughs> I mean... <laughs>
2: but the,
1: but the point is there's a lot of uh receiving work still open for this yeah. team obviously mike williams has been in and out of the lineup with injuries keenan back Allen, injury
2: which is what kind of hampered his whole rookie year
1: ain't nobody ever had a bad ba- anybody ever used to have a bad back once you have a bad back you got a bad back oh
2: i get it yeah. okay Damn. <laughs> i I'm also really... like that like he looked at me like what i don't i hear... mean <laughs> oh she's got it now okay well
1: i think you looked at me like what are you talking about? Yeah, what true. just came out of your bumbling mouth? <laughs>
2: it wasn't. It was funny. It was cute. Um. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I think Melvin Gordon is going to pick up where he left off. I agree and said it, right, that Austin Eckler's usage in the passing game is going is to certainly give him that floor. For reference, Melvin Gordon and Austin Eckler are the Yahoo Consensus ranked 18 and 20 running backs. Andy Barons has Eckler at 18 and Gordon at 20. I have uh, Gordon at 18 and Eckler at 20 because I feel like... The Chargers are mad. They want to use up what they got. You made the point on Sunday that Melvin Gordon is not going to be part of this franchise after 2019. And so I think they are going to take everything that they invested and run it into the ground. And that starts now. I could be wrong. But again, for DFS purchases, he's only 20 bucks. So why not take the cheaper option, especially with the two so closely ranked? Love it. What is a game on the slate that you are eyeing? And what within that game has you has your Curiosity peaked.
1: Well, I want to talk about the Cleveland Browns-San uh, Francisco 49ers mm. matchup because, well, for num- number one, recording this on Thursday night, but no matter the result of tonight's game, which we will not discuss, regardless of that outcome, my San Francisco 49ers will remain the only undefeated team in the NFC West. Now, will that be true come Sunday? Because it depends like on what I was actually thought that this Browns result from last week, like against the Ravens, that's a pretty that's a pretty good win for for this Browns team. Like to go into Baltimore, take down a team that is, you know, has been that surging, was able so. to
2: beat up against bad defenses.
1: Yeah, but see, overall, a hard to defend team. Number one, I think their defense has has been really good despite some injuries in the secondary. Well, their for Cleveland. run
2: defense has been particularly good, and they got Nick Chubb going.
1: Yeah, and yeah, they and their rushing offense obviously takes off. Like, the, but the thing, like, I haven't been surprised with how let's say above average and like highly efficient that the 49ers offense has been. They've moved the ball really well. There's been some turnover issues like against the Steelers, but they've moved the ball really well. But what has surprised me is how good their defense has been. So I think there's a couple of different ways this game could play this game could play out. But I think the fact that like Miles Garrett has the defensive front in Cleveland rolling but Nick Bosa is top 5 right now in pressure rate. He's been as advertised despite like Marquise Brown, you know, for the Ravens like not having any practice time, really missing a ton of time, that then comes out and just does what he does. That's been Nick Bosa for the 49ers mm-hmm. and it's been a little bit more quiet. Um but Buckner now has a lot more single teams. D Ford is out there, you know, doing his thing as well. So this defensive front for San Francisco has been really really good through their first three games and now it gets a good test in this Browns offense that obviously they were able to establish the hell out of the run with Nick Chubb last week but I thought Baker overall like still hasn't thrown more than one touchdown pass in any game that could come back to the pack this year and this in this week and, and he throws two or three touchdowns but I think it's a really tough matchup and I'm just uh, this is one that I can't wait to see how it plays out because I think we're gonna learn a lot. Like, was last week an aberration for the um for the for the for the Browns, Browns. or was this like the start of okay Freddie Kitchens has figured it out, got a good a good win for his team and is starting to figure this like start to, starting to right the ship.
2: I also really am bummed that we didn't get to see a whole month of the 49ers yet because there are so many. Questions about pieces here. We should mention that Tevin Coleman is practicing, and there's a pretty good chance that he plays on Sunday. So, sorry, Matt Burrito owners and truthers, but we don't know to what degree Coleman is going to play, but even another body in there, especially one that Kyle Shanahan feels so warmly about would turn this whole thing upside down once again.
1: Yeah, and Mustard is still doing his thing. And, and Jeff
2: Wilson's still getting, the greatest like, you know, 12-goal goal line time. looks. Like, yeah.
1: Like, that's one thing, too. We talked about, like, messy running back situations or, like, the running back wasteland. I think the fact that Kansas City's all healthy and now it looks like San Francisco is all healthy, you know, Jarek McKinnon notwithstanding, that's going to, like, create a loss of opportunity for players like Daryl Williams or LaShawn McCoy or, in San Francisco, Matt Breida, Raheem Mustard. But in the end, like these guys are still all worth stashing because these two backfields have shown us that chaos creates opportunity and that chaos is constant in in an NFL backfield.
2: I want to talk about, and you, so you mentioned Will Fuller and this being a get right game. When I looked at the schedule, I feel like the Falcons at Texans game is a get right game for all sorts of folks,
1: right? Yeah, really could be.
2: I agree with your Will Fuller analysis completely. I guess I'll start with the Texans. Kenny Stills being there, you're right, does affect the volume a little bit, but I think this is the week that Will Fuller gets things going. On the Falcon side of things, Calvin Ridley has put up two duds. Matt Ryan, though, has passed for over 300 yards for four straight weeks.
1: The most hollow, like 397 yard. Well, game Well, Austin of all time Hooper's last been week.
2: doing all that work. Yeah, but. In, in, and this is a note we talk about. We talked about the Bucks and we talked about the Rams in terms of offenses that were not prolific enough to feed all of the mouths, despite thinking otherwise. And the Falcons are one that we thought. I mean, honestly, it's been Austin Cooper instead of Calvin Ridley, who's been eating. But I think in this matchup, uh, Calvin Ridley has the best matchup, and I expect him to bounce back in this one. He's too good of a player. So go ahead and start him. I feel confident about it. And I, I want to see how the volume trickles out. I'm not as worried about the backfields because they're both, honestly, like, these are two really bad offensive lines. Yeah with quarterbacks who continue to produce in very different ways, but regardless, continue to produce despite their O-lines. They have star receivers, number one receivers on both ends, and really good ancillary pieces and shared backfields. They're very similar teams with underwhelming records given their division and the competitiveness within their division. So I'm expecting a bounce back for Calvin Ridley. I'm expecting a bounce back for Will Fuller. And I think, to me, so much about these two franchises will be tested and proven once they battle at 1 p.m. Eastern on Sunday.
1: Yeah, I I totally agree. I think there's a lot of there's a lot of questions that could be answered from this game, and it could be a real fireworks type of performance. And I mean, the Falcons' defense. I talked about it a little bit earlier with Will Fuller, but there were a couple of times during that Titans game where the Falcons' defense played so far back, and like you're playing Marcus Mariota, mm-hmm. like he's not gonna push the ball downfield, and like. Marcus Mario had had enough time to make himself a sandwich in that pocket and then just shoot off a quick slant to, like, A.J. Brown or Corey Davis. I mean, Corey Davis did something, you know. Corey Davis was like – I mean, A.J. Brown d- straight dog-walked Desmond Trufant around, sure. around the field. And I think that Fuller Hopkins can do that. And Isaiah Oliver, their other starting cornerback, is allowing a 122.6 passer rating in coverage this year according to Sports Info Solutions. So – yeah, I think this is a really i mean, this, this Falcons team, by the way, I I said it earlier, I'm so tired of them because they've been, like, the exact same mediocre, like, epitome of mediocrity operations since the Super Bowl loss. They have an offense that—like, too like a passing offense that too often underperforms its talent, whether it's the quarterback, the offensive line, or, you know, whatever. There's always some annoyance that we have with the passing game. They can't run the ball a lick, and their defense is just the worst. Get the Falcons
2: out of my life. I want them gone. (laughs) Calvin Ridley's going to eat, though. Lonnie Johnson, I'm not scared of. He's a rookie. Jonathan Jonathan Joseph is 35 years old.
1: I wish Ridley was a tick cheaper in DFS, but I like the pick.
2: All right. Well, those are our picks. We hope you have fun time making yours obviously you can always add us at liz loza underscore ff or at matt Harmon underscore byb with your own questions we will be live sunday morning 90 minutes before kickoff on fantasy football live and then here throughout the day with numerous live streams um thank you so much for listening and also you can follow the show on twitter at yahoo fantasy we out